news stories about the health of the American economy or sometimes on Sunday morning talk shows, you might hear experts talking about the GDP or gross domestic product. The GDP is a measure of the value of all goods and services produced during a particular time period. And as you might imagine, it's quite the undertaking to keep track of all that information. The organization that does that, among other things, is the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And it's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. In the studio, our regular panelists, Statistics Department Chair John Baylor and Media, Journalism and Film Department Chair Richard Campbell. Our special guest today is Brian Moyer, who's the director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, or BEA. Thank you so much for being here today, Brian. Thank you very much. Just to get the conversation started, give us a real quick overview of what it is your agency does. Sure. So BEA is a uh, federal agency made up entirely of career civil servants whose work is to produce official statistics on the U.S. economy. So we have about 500 economists, statisticians, and accountants on staff at BEA. If you, if you look at our formal strategic plan, our mission is to promote a better understanding of the U.S. economy by providing the most timely, relevant, and accurate economic data in an objective and cost-effective manner. Most of the folks that think about BEA associate with our flagship product, as you mentioned a moment ago, gross domestic product, or GDP. But, you know, we're a lot more than just GDP. So if you want to know how the broad economy is performing, we can tell you that. But if you want to know how a particular state or a metro area is doing, we can also tell you that. There are also uh, a lot of information we provide at the sector level. So if you want to know how manufacturing or finance or retail trade is performing, we can tell you that too. Finally, I'd mentioned that uh, we have a whole suite of uh, international statistics. So if you want to know how the U.S. is faring on the global stage, we have lots of information to answer all those questions as well. And these are just a few examples of the hundreds of millions of data points BEA produces each year. That leads to a really natural follow-up question. What exactly is the gross domestic product? Well, I, I guess the question here is how, how, how wonkish do you want me to be in answering this question? <laughs> well, you know, so, so, so people talk about things like you hear about the gross national product, and then you hear about gross domestic product, and you, you hear about other kinds of indicators. You know, so could, could you give us the, the, the high-level view of what is such an index and why is it an important index for us to consider as a nation? Yeah, Absolutely. So the, the official formula for GDP is, is consumer spending plus business investment plus government spending plus net exports, which is the difference between exports and imports. But another way of thinking about this or another way of putting this is that GDP is the broadest measure of economic activity for the U.S. economy. It's the total value of goods and services from machinery to manicures produced within the United States during a given period. Now. GDP reflects the value of production solely within the U.S. borders. GNP, or gross national product, as you mentioned a moment ago, reflects the value of production by U.S. residents within U.S. borders and the production from operations abroad. Now, you know, we, we actually produce both GDP and GNP here at BEA. GDP is BEA's primary or so-called featured measure of economic output, but, but prior to 1991, GNP was the primary measure. So, you know, you might ask, what, what's the, why the change in emphasis? Why did we switch uh, featured measures? The rationale was that GDP 
was the more appropriate measure for better grasping what was happening specifically inside the United States. Oh, very good. GDP, yeah, GDP is also the, the, the worldwide standard. So we can, okay. we can, we can make inter-country comparisons by, by using the measure of, of GDP. I read over the recent uh, press release on the economic impacts of art and culture in the U.S. And first of all, I want to compliment whoever wrote the lead to this press release. <laughs> I'll just read it real quickly here. Sure, Broadway and Hollywood employ lots of creative people, but when it comes to artistic and cultural work, not all the action is on the coast. New data show arts and culture account for a larger share of jobs in Wyoming, Utah, and Colorado than they do nationally. That's well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually a, uh, a brand new product that, uh, that we're... Uh, Beginning to publish now on a on a regular basis. It's a it's interesting because it's a uh, it's a partnership with the National Endowment of the Arts, mm. um, and you know this 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 account uh, measures not only sort of national level impacts of arts and culture activity on GDP, but as you just mentioned a moment ago, it breaks that activity out by by state. So we can say something uh, state by state. Now, now, you know, as we're getting started here, we're just looking at compensation and employment. But as we move on, we're going to be able to break out those value added measures uh, state by state as well. And, and let me add one more thing before we before we move on. I, I, this, this is a nice example of what BEA calls a satellite account. So the, the arts and culture production account is, is one of those accounts that is not included in the core set of accounts, of accounts produced by BEA, but rather it, it sits on the side and is consistent with the core set of accounts. But it's, it's an area where it's, it's an account where we're able to pull out information from our national accounts, our industry accounts, our regional accounts, and our international accounts and tell a cohesive picture or, or story about a particular sector of the economy. And that's what this is all about. We have a lot of these uh, satellite accounts, but we, we find this is a particularly um, uh, useful way of addressing uh, users' specific questions about economic performance. Just to follow up on that, the surprising thing here, and I think you have this in the lead, is that the you have, you, you have something called the location quotient, which I want you to talk about, but explain to me, you would expect New York and California to have lots of arts and culture type jobs, but you found that Wyoming, Utah, those do very well too. Can you explain the location quotient a little bit? I'll first start by saying I'm not the expert on this set of accounts here, <laughs> but, um, but the location quotient basically tells you how much of that activity is centered on that particular state in this case relative to the nation as, as a whole. And so while you would think that states like California, New York and others would be, you know, would be the sort of hubs of, of this kind of activity, there are lots of uh, national parks and uh, government operations and so forth sped, spread around the country whose mission is related to arts and culture. And that's what you're seeing when you see those higher uh, location quotients for uh, areas which are sort of, you know, you scratch your head a little bit about why are these arts and culture related. You're listening to Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington with Miami University Statistics Department Chair John Baylor and Media, Journalism and Film Department Chair Richard Campbell. 
Our guest today is Director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, Brian Moyer. This discussion of satellite accounts, Brian, seems like a story that's probably underreported as far as things coming out of your agency. Are there other kinds of stories that you think are underreported that your agency is working on? Yeah, we have a lot of uh, a new products. Let, let, me, let me just say that I think one of the... Um, the biggest challenges BEA faces, of course, is, is keeping our statistics up with the ever-changing economy. So we need to make sure our data is meaningful for the world and meaningful for our customers. And, of course, to do that, we have to constantly uh, constantly evolve our, our statistics. So let me give you a couple examples of some new things that we're doing. So we've developed new healthcare statistics that break out spending uh, by type of disease, such as heart disease or diabetes, rather than breaking out spending by place of service. So by place of service, I mean hospitals or doctor's offices. So, you know, why is this important? It's important because it's get, because it gives us a, a more complete and accurate picture of healthcare spending and allows us to, to capture the substitution of treatments over time. Now, that, that sounds technical, but I'll give you a quick example why these accounts are so important. Let's suppose you're suffering from depression. 30 years ago, if you were suffering from depression, you would have to undergo a regimen of talk therapy, very expensive talk therapy. Today you are going to take some kind of narcotics, some kind of drugs to uh, abate that situation. They're relatively inexpensive compared to the talk therapy. If we're to accurately measure healthcare spending costs over time, we want to be able to capture that substitution from one type of treatment to the other. And this new, sets of account, this new set of accounts allows us to do that because we're looking at this disease by disease. I'll give you another quick example of an area that we've been doing some work on, and that is beginning to produce consumer spending measures broken out by state. So as you know, we've long produced consumer spending measures for the nation as a whole. It's part of GDP, uh, uh, clearly. But this is our first look at consumer spending broken out on a state-by-state basis. So these new data show not only sort of the top-line numbers of consumer spending by state, but it also digs, digs in and shows exactly what consumers are buying in each state. And, and this is just a, these are just a couple examples, but there's lots of products like this that BEA has to uh, continually develop and continually innovate and continually expand because, after all, we have to keep our statistics current with the ever-changing economy. You know, so if, if you're breaking down healthcare expenses by type of disease, I, I recall that, that you can see pretty dramatic differences in treatment across, across the country. Even, even within a state, you can find pretty dramatic differences. Would some of the, the data that you're collecting on these types of healthcare expenditures by disease also have, provide some insight into to that differential? So they, they, they may in the future. So right now we're focused on the national level statistics, but uh, longer run plans are to break these out by state. This kind of leads into a, a slight digression here, but I think it's a useful one. The way we've developed this healthcare spending satellite account is really an excellent example of how uh, a statistical agency can blend the, the world of big data and traditional survey data. So we're actually looking at billions and billions of insurance claims data to build this disease-based mm-hmm. health care spending account. So uh, given that as, as the basis for, for this set of accounts, one could conceivably uh, think about breaking the, the state dimension, the location, dim- the regional dimension would be embodied in those data. And one could think about breaking that out at some future point. I'll tell you, the, the, the challenge this set of accounts is facing right now is one that we, that we face in, in some other areas of, in, the, in the accounts like the, the high tech sector is adjusting for quality. So yeah. when you think about these different treatments over time, 
you have to be able to account for what that what that means in terms of quality adjustment, in terms of better quality of life and so forth. So that's really the 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 the, uh, the focus of this research now. But but as you suggest, in the longer run, having a regional, a state level dimension to this would be an important uh, an important expansion. A lot of the the data that you report, the studies you report, get interpreted and reported through news media. Could you talk a little bit about what frustrates you about? <laughs> journalistic coverage, what they do well, what they don't do well? Generally, our output, our products, our statistics are covered well. But from time to time, there are uh, some challenges we face. And let, let me just use GDP as an example. As you are well aware, we produce three estimates of GDP in a given quarter. The first estimate comes out about 30 days after the quarter ends. For instance, BEA is going to release its, uh, its first estimate of GDP for the first quarter of 2017 next Friday, April 28th. But then we'll update that figure a month later, in this case on May 26th, as new and more complete source data become available. And then we'll update that number again on June 29th as even more complete and new source data become available. Because we want to always provide the most timely estimates for our, for our customers, we don't want to wait until all these data are complete before we release a measure of GDP, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Actually, if we waited to, until all the data were complete and everything was finalized, we wouldn't have a GDP, quarterly GDP estimate for about five years. So that wouldn't, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't serve anyone. <laughs> but th those quarterly updates or uh, revisions, as they're known in the, uh, in the uh, economic circles, are really just that. They're updates. But sometimes they are incorrectly reported as errors. Oh, and I'm wow. sure you've seen uh, such headlines from time to time. These, these quarterly updates reflect our best calculations based on the, the uh, available source data that we have at that time. And we're very clear with our customers exactly what data we have and what we're missing, and we make all those uh, assumptions available to our users. But nevertheless, nevertheless, there are some times when uh, we just get misinterpreted as errors. And I can tell you it's quite frustrating. I'm curious if part of that is that there's just not an appreciation of some of the uncertainty that's, that goes into a calculation that's this complex. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the uncertainty factor. I think it's also just, uh, frankly, us not doing as good a job as we can about explaining the process. The process is a, you know, it's a technical process. It's a relatively complicated process. You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of data components go into GDP, and we don't always, we don't always perhaps do the best at, at relaying that to the average person. If someone were just meeting you and finding out you're at BEA, what, what would they be most surprised to learn that BEA does or that mm -hmm. BEA produces? The thing they'd be most surprised about is the fact that BEA is not primarily a data collector, that we don't go out and collect all the components that go into GDP, pull the estimate together, and publish that number. That's what everybody thinks. But rather, in this decentralized statistical system that we have here in the United States, that isn't the way it works. In fact, what we do is we pull together thousands and thousands and thousands of data points every single month to compile that GDP number. What we do is to basically curate these economic frameworks, these economic accounting frameworks, to which all those data flow in. And once they're there, we then harmonize and reconcile within those frameworks. So, for example, uh, for the, uh, the GDP numbers, we pull all the data into something we call the national income and product accounts. That's an accounting framework that is populated, harmonized, and at the other end, outcomes GDP. Of course, what this means for BEA is that we are often the, uh, the first ones to see any inconsistencies in the, uh, in the data. 
you know, we like to say that, that we're, we're often viewed as the mine shaft canary of the federal statistical system, right? We, 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 we smell it first. And, uh, and there are often cases where, I mean, let me give, let me give, you, give you a very quick example. Uh, a few years ago, we were estimating output per worker for the uh, computer industry. So in, into these frameworks, we pulled the output measures that are produced by the Census Bureau, and we pulled in the employment numbers produced by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Everything seemed good until we started computing these, these ratios, and they looked absolutely crazy. So we say, wait, 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 we got to stop and take a look at this. So we dug into the details, come to find out that the establishment list that the Census Bureau was using to sample its, uh, its output measures was different from the uh, establishment list that the Bureau of Labor Statistics was using to sample or to uh, compile its, its employment numbers. Put these two things together and said, well, no wonder we have such very strange looking output per worker numbers. And so we were able to go back to the agencies and say, hey, you know, we need to, we need to address this issue. Anyway, so I, I've strayed a bit from the initial question, but I, I think that, uh, that the, the basic thing that, that I find that most users are confused about is, is sort of the, is, is the fact that BEA is not out there collecting uh, uh, millions and millions of data points through surveys. This is Stats and Stories. Our guest today is Brian Moyer, Director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. Brian, I'm going to ask you a, a question that's not about the data that you're collecting or uh, analyzing there, but really sort of about yourself. How did you come to become the director of BEA? How did you get into this line of work? Actually, I, I'll be honest, BEA is, is my first federal job, my only federal job. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here right out of grad school. I, uh, I moved from an entry-level economist in the GDP by industry branch straight up through the, uh, to the director of BEA. So I'm uh, certainly a BEA person through and through. <laughs> BEA is a great organization, and I, I guess if I had to... If I had to say what I like the best about it, it's, it's the people. You know, working with, with BEA's uh, dedicated public servants who care so deeply and are truly committed to the, to the mission of, of the agency. It, this, is one of my, um, this is one of the things I just find so satisfying about this, about this job. Something that I'm proud of. You know, in measuring this, this $18 trillion U.S. economy is certainly a challenge, but, it, but it's also really rewarding. One of the hallmarks of BEA statistics is Behind every one of those detailed numbers that you might pull off, pull off our website, there is a person that's doing their very best to accurately measure that component of economic activity. And not only that, but they're willing to talk to you about that particular component. The dedication of our staff is just one of the reasons it makes me... Uh, makes me so happy that I've been here for 24 years and I wouldn't trade this job for anything. We're in a kind of a political and a climate right now where there's a lot of assaults on evidence and science and data. What can we do to, to do a better job of promoting evidence-based research, promoting data, promoting evidence? Do you have any thoughts about that? And are these, are the, are these conversations that you have? Yeah, they are. They are conversations that uh, that we have. And, you know, I, I think that uh, at BEA, we like to think that what we do is is so important and so relevant and of such value that when decisions are made around budgets and so forth, that, yeah, sure, maybe we'll have to reprioritize programs here and there. But you know, we're, 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 we're hopeful that the overall uh, logic of the of the policymakers is is that is that uh, 
the, the core uh, mission of BEA will be preserved. And I think, I think we, we, we as an agency sort of hold to that, and, and, it's, and it's proved over time that, that that does hold. I'll tell you, when I talk to staff about sort of, you know, the, the, the new world of, of economic statistics or the, the new world of big data. This is the thing that really gets them excited. This, this idea of, of being able to bring these unstructured data, if you will, administrative data, big data sources, private data sources into the accounts. This is something that uh, really motivates, really motivates uh, staff. And I, I, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift for the statistical agencies because you know, this type of skill sets, more of those data science type skill sets, are, are not what we've traditionally looked to uh, in the economics profession or in the statistical profession. And uh, our world is changing. As I said a minute ago when I was talking about the, the healthcare satellite account, I mean, I think there's a place for both this new big data approach and also the, uh, the structured survey data. But, but, but it's just that. It's a blended approach. It's combining these, uh, these two worlds. And, I, and as I say, I really, I really do find great excitement, especially among the, the more junior staff coming to BEA, around the opportunity uh, that, that that entire effort affords. To, to me, it's, it's amazing to think about $18 trillion as a, as a number. You know, and, and so, so I, I've got sort of two questions. How do you communicate the idea of $18 trillion to people when, when you're saying, you know, millions, billions, trillions... You know, that's that I think is really it's really hard to think about magnitude comparisons of this of this size. So that's that's kind of my first question. And my second question is, how does the U.S. economy at 18 trillion, if you look internationally, what's the next economy in in the magnitude of their GDP? Let's start with the uh, the 18 trillion dollar question. <laughs> you know, you know um, most analysts looking at, at GDP, you know, they're, they're, they're interested in the, in the overall level. But I'll tell you, the featured thing is, is really the growth rate. It's obviously important to know about the components and the shares of those components in GDP. But uh, I'll say most of the focus uh, from users is on, you know, did GDP, did it increase, did it decrease, did it grow 2.1%, did it grow 0.5%? I mean, these are the, the, the typical questions that we get. I mean, I, I think we do a, um, a very nice job in the various dissemination uh, platforms that we have clearly articulating how that $18 trillion is broken out, not only by sort of the esoteric components of consumer spending and government spending and, and business investment, but I think it becomes a little more real to people and they sort of get it a little bit more when we then break that out by, uh, by industry and by state, and so I, mean, I think when you start looking at GDP uh, decomposed in other ways, it gives some it gives some meaning, gives some context around that, like astronomically large top number. What's the largest yeah. share of that eighteen trillion? Consumer so spending. Consumer spending. Consumer spending. Consumer spending is about seventy percent of that of oh, that okay. eighteen trillion. Now, consumer. Now, 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 going back to this growth rate story I was telling a minute ago, when you look at the NIPA, the National Income Product Tables. You'll see that you know consumer spending is not always the largest contributor. I mean, it it, it, it is it is big, but it's it's a fairly it's a fairly stable growing uh, component of GDP. Where uh, compared to something like inventory change that that bounces all over the place. So um, just just being a I guess my point here is just being a large component doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be uh, any uh, more important than something like inventory change that might make a make make a, a, a very large jump in any particular quarter. You've mentioned that you're using sort of uh, new kind of ways of measuring um, 
economic activity. And I'm wondering, given sort of uh, the digital environment we live in and, and the affordances of social media, is your agency looking for ways of sort of leveraging, you know, social media spaces to better communicate this information to the public directly? Yeah, we, we, we certainly are. We, we are uh, on the social media bandwagon. Um, and I, I, I will, I, so, so if you think about our, I'll, I'll just sort of broadly speak about our dissemination. Um, so everything that we produce is on our website, www.bea.gov. And, you know, we consider the dissemination of our data sort of the most important thing that, uh, most important thing that we do, sort of aside from getting the GDP numbers right. One of the things that we've learned is that you, you really have to keep sort of up to, up to date with the latest dissemination um, uh, tools and platforms. And uh, we now have a complete set of APIs that cross mm -hmm. all four of our program areas. And we've discovered that there's uh, great demand for that and we're seeing great use and, and that, that we're very pleased with that. But the other thing that we just introduced, and this has only been a few months ago, is something we're calling B-E-A-R, like bear. But the, uh, <laughs> but the R part of that stands for R, the programming language. Oh, so, okay. for, so for the first time, we, we, we've got this very slick, sort of hip way of accessing BEA's data. For Obviously, this is for our more tech-savvy users, but it, but it really does allow a user to go in and pull something from across all of our program areas, put it together in a snap, and just see exactly what it is, what, answer the question they were trying to answer. So I'll just give you a fast example. So, you know, suppose someone's looking uh, to, to gauge the impact of energy goods and services on the U.S. economy. Well, certainly that's in, that's in consumer spending in, in GDP, right? Or it's also contained in the international accounts. It's in the regional accounts. It's, it's across all of our accounts. What this API, the, this, this R-based platform that pulls from our APIs will do is just go out there, grab all that relevant information, mash it all up and return to you. Uh, sort of an overall, an overall picture of, of how energy-related uh, goods and services impact the, the, the economy from, a, from, a, from a, a variety of perspectives. So we, we discovered that, that people really like this. Of course, what, what's happening is now those folks that, 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 are, that are really engaged in this kind of uh, 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 work are calling up and wanting more and more and more. So we have to, uh, <laughs> we have to, uh, we're going to have to prioritize some of that going forward. Well, thank you so much for being here. That's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Brian Moyer, Director of the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. Again, thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter or iTunes. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu. And be sure to listen to future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.